Hi, and welcome to episode 226 of No Crying in Baseball, the superb owl episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey there. I am very looking forward to the superb owl party. It's going to be a hoot. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Well done. Well done. It's like yeah. we watch the same shows. Yeah. Um, yeah I'm, I'm sorry that we won't be together, though, because usually we watch the Super Bowl together. But, you know, screw the pandemic. I'm watching by myself at home. But, you know. We can communicate, though. We will. I think we'll definitely be in touch thanks to modern technology. Like we were this morning at the beginning of the biggest cross-training day of my life personally. Yes. So my perfect morning today, this Sunday morning, it was snowing gently outside. I was watching Olympic hockey from bed, drinking delicious coffee, and then in the period breaks was like doing baseball show prep. Yeah. I was like, These are all of my favorite things. Bed, coffee, snow out the window, two sports. I, I really should have thought of the in-bed part of that because I was doing that in the kitchen, but in-bed would have been a much better place. Plus, I was out of coffee, so I was a little bit bummed about that. I oh, was no. Tea. Yeah, yeah. But but the hockey was <laughs> super fun. And the thing about watching hockey, well, I, I have two favorite things about watching hockey. One is just the the adrenaline level like you don't almost don't need coffee because it's just so fucking fast and you're just like watching yep. where it is and the and my second There's favorite no multitasking possible while watching hockey absolutely yeah. i had to wait for commercial breaks before i started taking notes but i'm also always on the edge of my seat for the first reference of wanting to get the puck out of here because it just makes <laughs> me laugh i just love it <laughs> well so we we are specifically Sorry, specifically referencing the um, USA men's hockey game versus Germany on Sunday morning, which which the U.S. guy um, guys won. USA guys won, and I love it because these kids and we've babies. talked before. They're babies. Um, the NF the NHL pulled their guys out of Olympic competition like a month ago. So all these teams had a scramble. And so especially the USA and Canada teams are way younger because there's a lot more college kids, plus some guys who have NHL experience, but are veterans now. And they were talking, there's two things they were talking about. One was they always, they always cite the M's because Massachusetts, mm -hmm. Minnesota, and Michigan are the powerhouses for hockey. But I noticed that the captain of the USA men's team is from Miami University, which is my <laughs> alma mater. So I like that. Um, but also they keep calling it freaking Miami of Ohio, which is not its damn name. It's Miami University. Just get it right. Oh, dear. Get it right. They were saying Miami That's of Ohio good. as if it's a name. The other thing is because of because they're babies, there was a lot of talk about boys playing against men. Hmm. And I was like, I not comfortable. I'm not comfortable. I mean, like, thankfully, when, when women were playing, they were all women, even if some of them were teenagers. Mm -hmm. Why aren't the guys all men. I mean, the, uh, there's, there's 19 year olds, but yeah. still it's like, it right. felt very weird. And I, boy, I'd hate to be one of the boys that was being referenced, you know, during yep. all that, but they played with absolute chaos and they're so much fun to watch because it's absolute freaking chaos that USA men's team. So, and just to have a baby goalie in that kind of pressure, like that's the pressure position. And oh, he yeah. did, he did really well. It was super fun. And, um, women's, uh, uh, playoffs contender tonight and unfortunately Ooh. i will miss i will miss yeah so they're on at 11 but Ooh. uh so canada's tonight so I, I might see some of that but um tomorrow at 8 10 a.m this is monday for us so it's yesterday for you dear listeners that's when the usa women play and that's exactly when i leave my house for my commute so i will see none of that game which makes me very sad oh i work late tomorrow i can watch the game 
please report in. I will. All right. Okay. Now, now Yay. I'm committed. Ooh. Mm. Yay. Okay. So yeah, it's been a heck of a cross training day because like lots of sports, lots of sports happening today. But on today's show, we have what may be the longest police blotter of all time because we've got domestic abuse, assault, controlled substances, and a class action suit. Jeez, O'Pete's. It's a baseball <laughs> podcast. Uh, we've got our boyfriends for the Red Sox and the Atlanta Hammers. And we've got a pretty good update of a thorough update of the CBA <laughs> negotiations and, you know, some fun facts because we always have the fun facts. Oh, my God. Let's get going with this police blotter thing. Yeah. The word good is nothing, nothing happening here with our police blotter. So just a little bit of update on some of our uh, favorite domestic abuse cases. First oh, of all, God, yeah, Jesus. it's it's awful. And, you know, the, I mean, the part of this that sucks is the we told you so part like all along when it seemed like, all right, there are these big charges against these guys, but it, it never comes to fruition. And, you know, when you're talking about multimillionaires who have money for, for legal to pay those good lawyers shit, you know, shit happens. So Marcella Zuna, who actually, this was one that I, I predicted actually would get convicted because it was witnessed by a police officer uh, not only did he get that deal where he's staying out of jail because he did his his and I can't remember the alternate little, alternate something yeah alternative was, yeah some stuff that he got to do instead of instead of going to jail um, he is also not suspended by MLB well actually he is but it's retroactive so he suspended twenty games that counts from last year and the hammers seem ready to take him back, which is the part that just pisses me off. And especially I had to write down this whole quote from manager Brian Snicker because my my jaw just dropped and I don't know what else, what the fuck else to say about it after this. So he said, he said, as far as I know right now, he's going to be there. He went through the process and he's been cleared to play. That's all I care about. Ooh. He's in the Dominican Ooh. and I pull up the box scores and it looks like he's doing good. <laughs> this, it just gets worse and worse. There are a lot of guys out there, and it's amazing how people forget. There are a lot of guys who played against us who've probably been in worse situations than he was. It seems like people have a tendency to forget or forgive, but that remains to be seen too, I guess. So let's unpack that for a moment. So in the beginning, he's basically saying he went through the process, and because he cut this deal, he's he's obviously innocent enough to play which is some you know 12 shades of bullshit because the process did sort of got it got plea bargained it got interrupted so who knows what would have happened had it gone to full trial the second thing there that i knew was going to happen is he did really well in lead on so like that is an excuse like i'm looking at the scores down in the dominican republic he's tearing it up all right i think he should be able to play for us you knew that was going to have that kind of reaction and then the last thing about like other guys have done worse. Are you fucking kidding me? And and, and no, but no, but it's even worse than that. It's who have been in worse situations. Mm -hmm. Like his situation is bad. Right. Not that he beat up his wife, but he was in a bad situation. Yeah, totally. Like, what the? Mm. You, you're so right. Because everything about that quote is like passive. Like there's nothing that they're actually oh, giving man. his I was kind of a Snicker fan and now I'm pissed. I am. Damn it. Yeah, I'm so bummed. So, you know, I do like despite the fact that we're picking Hammer's boyfriends today, I have no happy wishes for the Hammers for this season. He did rake in lead on. He was his slash line 317, 389, 519 with four home runs in 21 games. And he was the MVP of the final game. Another sort of side note that I picked up while I was trying to get more information about this is he and his wife renewed their wedding vows in February. 
So that's right like, after, like, like, like last week ish. Like yeah. The, yeah. This yeah. Current like, like now, like now. So, so, okay. Now I do have to say, I am not against like these alternative paths to redemption. Right. I mean, I'm trying to like, you know, be, be a good liberal and say, you know, people, if yeah. there is something that people can do that keeps them out of jail, but helps to fix the problem. Right. You know, that's okay. Whether that's, you know, that's therapy or, or public service or whatever the thing is, maybe, maybe it did work for him. I mean, I still don't want to back on the team, but as right. far as his relationship with his wife, maybe whatever that was, was successful. I, I, I don't know. And I don't know how we would know that. I want to believe that's true. Yeah. Otherwise I'm thinking, oh, this is just going to get even worse. Yeah. I just kind of um, feel like it's, it's not long enough. You know what I mean? Like we need more yeah. time before we yeah. can judge. We need more time. So yeah. we'll see what happens. But no, but we can judge immediately. Yeah, right? <laughs> Cause we are, we are quick to judge. It's the, it's the beauty <laughs> of us really. Oh, talking about talking about quick judgments here. I'll just hop over to Trevor, <laughs> Trevor Bauer, our next favorite person to be completely judged. So his charges of his criminal charges have been totally dropped. The Los Angeles County DA's office cited that the and and we knew this was going to be an issue for from to begin with. So this is the accusations about Trevor Brower's rough sex with a woman two nights getting too rough, like exceptionally too rough, sending her um, to the hospital. Yep. But according, but her text messages before the act said that she wanted that. So that's what was cited. Now I watch this so you don't have to folks don't eat. I'll put it the link in the show notes, but I do not recommend watching um, Trevor yeah, Bauer's seven did. minute. I did watch it. Cause I was like, yes, I, I care about our listeners that much. That's some um, good journalism right there. <laughs> seven minute video on YouTube that he called it's titled the truth. And it's full of him being, you know, redeemed or whatever and, and saying his side of the story that he said that he's respected the process so much that he's been quiet, even though it's so been so hard for him to be quiet. And he denies everything at this point because he can, because he can he talk. Can. So he, he said that when she left his apartment, both nights that she stayed over, and when she left, she did not look like the photos that had been put out there by her lawyers and her case. So he's alleging that she is lying, basically, about mm -hmm. the abuse. I mean, he's totally alleging that. But um, he's also saying that she faked the photos. So what I'm thinking is if he's got this much kind of lawyer power... And he really thinks that those photos have been faked. Don't you think there would be a lawsuit against her? And maybe there will be. So maybe we'll see what happens with that. But I can't, I just don't know where to go with that. It was super, super, super shitty. And he did, you know, come out there and say the obvious that we all know is like, if you want to judge me for engaging in rough sex with a woman I barely know, go ahead and do that because oh, I that will. I admit to, <laughs> right? So he's admitting to that. So it's it's a huge question about who is going to want to play with him. Just who is going to want to play with him? So who's also, what's going to happen next in, in the land of lawsuits? Is he going to sue her for defamation? Is she going to push uh, civil charges on him? Is there some, there might be some lawyer out there who's going to encourage her to do that and make a good deal with her for it. Who the fuck knows? Theoretically, the MLB investigation is ongoing if they could, but there's this, you know, the collective bargaining agreement still hanging. So 
that policy is also expired since the agreement has expired. So who knows what MLB is or isn't investigating right now, but there's a lot of talk about this maybe being like Azuna, that it's going to be retroactive. You know, he served his time. MLB can't do anything else during the lockout. So we will see what happens to Trevor Bauer. I think he still has his Japanese name on his um, social media. So so know. let me go back to the um, the MLB investigation real quick. Um, mm-hmm. It the the domestic abuse and child abuse policy did expire with the CBA, but there's there are no signs that it wouldn't be renewed in the new one. Yeah, it's like no one is saying, oh, we shouldn't right. have that. So so right. there's 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 really no chance it's not going to be show up again. But um, the thing that MLB can't do during the lockout is talk to Trevor Bauer. Yeah, they can do all the investigating they want with anybody else. They can interview other witnesses. They can do paper trails. They can do whatever else they need to do. They just can't talk to players during the lockout. So I thought that was an interesting, interesting fact there. Yeah. And that makes it a little extra ballsy of him to like go and fucking post a video before he can talk to MLB. He's never been accused of not being ballsy. Yep. (laughs) All right. So, uh, well, we're going from... Assault to now we have the death of a player. We're going to talk about the Tyler Skaggs trial. It's actually uh. the Eric K trial. You remember Tyler Skaggs, pitcher for the Angels, died of apparent overdose a couple years ago, found in Texas. Um, Eric K was at the time the communications director for the Angels, and he is has been charged with basically supplying drugs to Tyler Skaggs and also players. And um, uh, just you know, just I think tend to distribute all kinds of things. This is a trial about that. Like, what is his role? Did he provide these drugs that led to Tyler Skaggs' death? Um, so this just started. Um, the defense counsel, Eric Case defense, said that Matt Harvey, who that particular year, 2019, was a pitcher for the Angels, gave hmm. Skaggs Percocet, and Kay says he saw a pink powder in Skaggs' room the night of his death and said, hey, what's that? And he said it was Percocet. There wasn't any Percocet found in his system at the autopsy, so I don't know what what, what mm-hmm. about that. So here's the thing. Because the trial is happening in Texas, because that's where he was when he died, they need to prove that the crime was committed in Texas. And Kay is saying, I did give Skaggs Oxy while we were at home at Angel Stadium before we came here and he took it immediately. So he did not bring with him any oxy that I gave him is, is his position. Hmm. So, wow. You know, how about talk about shades of, you know, yeah. Holery and culpability, but um, apparently over the course of the trial, there are other angels players who are going to testify against Kay about him providing drugs to them and others, I guess. Wow. So this is going to be newsy and interesting and meaty for a while. I'm, curious to see what happens there. So there we there we go. There we go with our our uh, controlled substances. Now we're going to class action. We're, this is the minor leagues. So there is a class action lawsuit called um Sen or Sene, it's S-E-N-N-E versus MLB. And the uh it's about minor leaguers not being paid during spring training. Mm. And the jury trial is going to start on June 1st, but right now they're doing like summary judgment arguments. So that they're they're presenting arguments to a judge and where they were last week to a federal judge. And the MLB lawyer says, oh, no, we don't need – the league doesn't need to pay the minor leaguers because at that point in spring training, they're trainees. They're not employees. They're not on – they're not on the – they're not on staff. They're just – they're trainees. Now, personally, I have been trained for jobs while on the 
payroll because that's you hire me and then you say, okay, we just need to train you a little more in this. And so I don't know what the heck that means. That is messed up. Like most jobs, you get a training period and you don't volunteer for it. Like really? <laughs> so this is my one. I have a couple of favorite parts here. One is that the argument is the trainees receive a greater benefit than the club because the club is paying for the training for God's sake and the trainees are getting the training. So the trainees are the big winners of this. So why would they also want to be paid? And in addition to all these baseball, so that, so they, they did a comparison to um, like prospect leagues and um, collegiate uh, like week long clinics and stuff and what things cost. And they said, you know, as a player, you would have paid $2,200. You would have paid $2,200 a week for similar training. And we're giving it to you. What do you mean you want to get paid? And besides, you're also going to acquire language and leadership skills and beneficial life skills, to which my reply is you can't eat life skills. You can't hold another job while you're doing that. Like, yeah, you can't survive. Like that makes yep. it elite, right? I mean, who can afford to do that? Who can afford to do unpaid training? You know, the handful of guys who got giant bonuses for signing and that's mm -hmm. it. Everybody else there. I'm sorry. I can't do, I, you know, I got to leave training and go do my Uber delivery in my Uber Eats deliveries now because I can't afford to, you know. So yeah. Yeah. Take your life skills. And um, yeah, I'm sorry. They're, they are, they are employees. They are employees. Yep. Pay Absolutely. them. Pay them. Get your act together. All right. It's going to be interesting to see how this pans out. I hope one of these days we have like a happy police blotter report. Like, yeah, that might be hard. That I might be know. hard. Oh, man. Yeah. And add to that our confidence in the police system anyway. But we'll, we'll shift over to happier things. Our boyfriends, these are our baseball boyfriends, the guys that we pick in the offseason because they're cool. There's something they do beyond the field that – makes Patty and I smile. And we each pick one guy per team uh, as as we go through these weeks of the offseason. So we're right. We're getting up there. We're with the Red Sox. So I'm like celebrating. Woohoo. We're doing the Red Sox and the Atlanta team this week. Um, and I have a theme that came out and both my guys got their first hit on their first pitch. So I thought that, and they both have connections to my winter league teams. So that was a big thing that I've been paying attention to both of these winter league teams. They both had rocky first seasons. Well, uh, you know, depending on how you count first, um, definitely 2021 was their most games played and they both had the same batting average, which was 215. They are up and down though. Like they show a lot more promise, which means that I, I'm probably doing really poor picks right now, not because they're not going to be good in 22, but they probably won't be still with these teams. And that's going to fuck Ooh. up my fantasy base baseball boyfriend league. But we'll see what happens. Red Sox. I, I, even Mr. Potty Mouth looked at me sideways like, you know who you have to pick for this. And it was Jaron Duran. And uh, and and yes, he dances on the sand and plays center field. And there's going to be a <laughs> lot of jokes about that. So center field is is a big place. He's a fast dude. He was known for his speed in the minor league. When he came out there, came up, there was just so much talk about him. But Jackie Bradley Jr. is back and he's fast in center field. So I am wondering what's going to happen to Mr. Duran. Plus, Kike Hernandez can play anywhere. If he's not playing center field, he's playing second base. And that's where Jaron Duran played during college. He actually hadn't played outfield at all. They threw him out there when he was in the minors. So 
I, I don't know if there's a place for Duran. And because he had such a great miners experience, I think he would be a pretty trade piece. But anyway, he is from California, Cypress, California, three years at Cal State Long Beach and played in Cape Cod Summer League da- drafted by the Red Sox in the seventh round of 2018. And then he had the debut to beat all debuts. He debuted July 17th, 2021 at Yankee Stadium. So for a Red Sox player to debut at Yankee Stadium, you have got to have a lot of confidence in this kid. Like that is nothing, you know, that I can't imagine the kind of pressure. He is actually the first player to do that since my former boyfriend Pookie Mookie Betts debuted at Yankee Stadium in 2014. So not only did he debut at Yankee Stadium, but it was a totally fucked up game. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. But the happy answer is that he hit off his first pitch. He singled off Garrett Cole on the first pitch. I hear he's good. Yeah, right. At Yankee Stadium, especially. So he said, yeah, I feel like a weight was lifted off my shoulders. And it was like, okay, I can relax now. Just get that out of the way. Then he got to second base and then he scored from second, running 29.3 feet a second. And Alex Spear, the Boston Globe, said that to the Trout Tatis range. He was known for his speed in his minors, um, in the minors. He had 70 steals in 199 games over two seasons. And in my you know, theme of the year, he's good for digging out triples. So I remember this game when he debuted for a couple reasons. The first one is that the Yankees were dicking around with a rain delay. So there was rain in the forecast, but it wasn't there yet. So instead of starting the game, the Yankees delayed it and delayed it. And it was a Valdi versus Cole. And the game got so delayed, they started it before any rain fell. And then they had to call it when the rain actually came. And so the Yankees won, but it was pretty shitty. There was a lot of tension in the game with, I mean, rain delay, I think, doesn't do good things to fans to begin with. But this was also the game where a fan threw a ball at Alex Verdugo in the outfield. And what had happened was Verdugo threw the ball into the stands, aiming for the one like lone Red Sox fan up there and ended up throwing throwing it to a Yankees fan who threw it back at him and Verdugo went ballistic and that added to more delay. So I think like the delay on the delay. And so Duran said, um, I got a little of everything today. I experienced how loud Yankee stadium can get <laughs> I think I got a gist of everything they had. So it was nice. So at least like that was a, a way for him to, uh, you know, be baptized, I guess, into the majors. And um, three days later, he got his first home run against the Blue Jays. And it was a crazy eight run one in, in the first inning game. And other Red Sox boyfriends that got home runs that night ended up being Hunter Renfro, Kiki Hernandez, and Rafael Devers all in a crazy first inning. Showing off his speed later, a couple weeks, mm, July that's not 2028 july 28th my notes are so good folks he almost and i think it should have been ruled it he almost got an inside the park home run at fenway against toronto and they ruled it as a triple with an error because springer bobbled it but just for like a second in the outfield but man the wheels on this kid just flew around so at the time last year i think it was last year that my baseball boyfriend was bobby dalbach so when duran got 
brought up, it was when Dahlbeck was having some some hard times and it kind of shook things up for him because it moved Kike in from center field to second. And then he bumped Christian Arroyo, who was at second to first. And that's where Bobby Dahlbeck was. So I remember being a little bit tense about what's going to happen to my Bobby, but it looks like Bobby is going to be just fine. He came back. So the the other thing that I remember about the debut, when I said about the Yankees debut, I remember the rain delay. I also remember his father because the the his father and mother made it to the game. And I remember the cameras on his dad. And there's an article titled, Jaron Duran's dad is jacked. And so <laughs> his dad, huge muscles. He really is into the lift and weights. I guess he was a, a scrawny guy in high school and did like, weightlifting and has never stopped full of tattoos and and max cerullo on twitter said kind of feel like the red sox should call up jaron duran's dad too (laughs) so duran plays the kind of ball that you'd like patty he's really into the small ball because he's got the speed so he prefers to hit ground balls than the popular like go for the fences you know home run hopeful because he knows he can make something out of it and he's also very pro bunt He did struggle a lot. You know, it was his first season last year. He was sent down some. He improved in August, September up to batting 250. So I'm hopeful that things are going to, you know, pick up for him. But notably, before 21, in the 2021 winter season, he played with the Criollas de Caguas, our very favorite Puerto Rican team now, which is, you know, it made sense as a Red Sox player. It's Cora's hometown, Ramon Vasquez. We talked about the first base coach of the Red Sox as the manager. And he he did okay in the season, but he cranked in the championship series. So just to clarify, this is not this past winter, but the one before that he went five for 15 with two home runs and six RBI in the championship series and was the MVP of the finals. He went to the Serie del Caribe and made it to the all-star team there. And But the, the Criollos that year made it to the finals and lost to the DR. And he got the experience of being a teammate with Yadier Molina, you know, as a like pre-rookie kind of winter season. He got a lot out of that. I did not really realize that he's Mexican heritage and he's talked about the possibility of playing for Mexico on the next world baseball classic. So that is, yeah, that is um, soon to be uh, seen what actually happens with that. And yes, there already is a hungry, like the wolf t-shirt with Jaron <laughs> Duran Duran on it. Excellent. That's That's the right thing. If there wasn't, we would have come up with it for sure. I might, I might yet another t-shirt I might have to get. Oh, good God. Oh, good God. All right. That's great. That's exciting. So Mm -hmm. my theme ended up being trades that make you go, huh? (laughs) Just like that. Huh? So my Red Sox guy, I picked a prospect. He saw the 40 man. Don't know if he's coming up this year. This could be way too early, but as has been happening recently, We've picked a lot of guys, and there aren't a lot of guys available. Mm-hmm. And this guy got my attention. So I'm picking Hudson Potts. He was 23. He's um, plays third base. Um, like I said, still a prospect. So he initially had a scholarship to Texas A&M, but had a million-dollar signing when he was drafted in the first round by the Padres in 2016 when he was 17 years old. Wow. So he said, okay, I'm going to go play baseball. Did not go to college. But because he was drafted out of high school at 17, he was always the youngest guy on whatever team he was on or pretty close to it. Right. So the I saw that he had changed his name from Sanchez to Potts. And I immediately went, 
ah, you like whitewashing? What's going on here? Mm. Turns out, it turns out he took his stepfather's name once he was drafted. He said, he's been my dad my whole life. So Mr. Potts, his dad, his whole life, but he wasn't able to legally change his name until he was 18. So it's like, it's an honorable thing. And, you know, I want to recognize the man who ended up really being my dad by taking his last name. So I felt a lot better about that for sure. So he was initially drafted as a shortstop and the Padres started transitioning him to like a power hitting third baseman. He came up with Tatis Jr. They were on the same. So, so, you know, Tatis obviously drafted at a young age because, you know, the international signings, they sign these guys when they're Mm -hmm. babies. And so they started, they played together in rookie league. They played together in class A short season and they started in 2017, you know, in class A together with the tin caps, right? That season, Tatis broke the tin caps home run record and Potts tied the record, which was only one run behind Tatis Jr. Oh, wow. That's good company. That's good company. And these guys were, they were competitors. They were friends because Mm -hmm. they've been together all this time from team to team, but they Mm -hmm. also competed. And so he was kind of competing at a Tatis Jr. level at this time. So not only did they make that history of breaking the record and and tying the record, they were also the first 18-year-olds to hit at least 20 home runs in the Midwest League since 1987. Wow. So, yeah. So these these are the kids with the big bats and they're doing this together. So- if you think about it, okay, he started as a shortstop, maybe doing third base, but he's in the Padres system. Who's in front of him? Tatis Jr., you know, then got moved along more quickly, right? So you've got Tatis standing in your way and you got Manny Machado standing in your way. You're not going to come up anytime soon, right, with the Padres. So sidetrack to him growing up in South Lake, South Lake, Texas, and his family having season tickets for the Rangers. The Rangers were his team growing up. It was 20 minutes from his house, the whole thing. So as a kid, like in middle school and high school, he was a big fan of Mitch Moreland, who spent his first seven years of his career as a Ranger, right? So sorry, sorry, Mitch Moreland, to hear that this guy, you know, loved you in middle school, because <laughs> when, when, when Hudson Potts got traded to the Red Sox, he got traded for Mitch Moreland. Oh, I love and Mitch. Well, Mitchy too bags. Me too. Me too. So I thought that was kind of a nice thing. It's like, you know, he grew up as a fan and then he, that's how he actually gets to the Red Sox is for that's one so of cool. his childhood idols. And he said, it's crazy to think that I'm in a situation now where that's even capable of happening. And then this is a first. This is a boyfriend that we're picking that actually has a straight up recommendation as a boyfriend <laughs> that I found in print. So two weeks after he joined the Paw Sox in 2020, the, 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 the trade for Mitch Moreland was in 2020, right? At the trade deadline. So he goes to the Paw Sox and his hitting coach, Rich Gedman, says this about him. Rich Gedman. Oh my yes. God. So I haven't heard his that manner, in a long time. His, Oh, no, no, no. You got to pay attention. You're going to like this. His manners are very, very good. He's an imposing figure for a young guy. He's 6'2 or 6'3. You hope your daughter walks in with someone like him when it's time to have a boyfriend. <laughs> he's raw, <laughs> talented, has got a good arm more than anything. He's hungry to learn. Some I, I, I don't know how, which of those things I would, you know, pick for a boyfriend. You know, if I was talking about like, you know, a, 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 like my child dating somebody is like, really, is this what I'm maybe, but he actually got recommended as a boyfriend. So who am I to say no to Rich Gedman who yes. says he should be a boyfriend? Yeah. Right? Side note on Rich Gedman. I, I believe that he was Mr. Potty Mouth's favorite player from the 1986 Boston Red Sox, but yeah, I'm pretty sure. So even, even more yeah, Mr. Potty Mouth, you, you can recommend me on that. As, yeah. 
I'm sure you will. I'm sure. So, um, and you know, we always <laughs> check social media for like danger signs and I found no danger signs, uh, for, <laughs> for, uh, so Hudson Potts name on, on Instagram is Huddy Potts. So I love Huddy Potts. I think that's kind of awesome. And all of his pictures are either baseball or hiking or hockey. So hooray. I feel good about that pick. All right. Now we are going over to the National League to the Atlanta Hammers. And I am picking, to nobody's surprise, who's paid any attention to us for the past couple of years, William Jesus Contreras, catcher, 24 years old. And I, I don't know, whoever was with us a couple of weeks ago when I did Kevin Padlow for the Mariners and basically just sort of cribbed everything that MLB had put in his bio because it was kind of perfect and it was very verbose. For, for William Contreras, the MLB bio says literally, quote, is brother to Wilson Contreras, end quote. So that's it. go back to, that's it, that's it, the whole thing. <laughs> So I don't know who's in charge of those MLB bios, but there is quite a lot of difference between uh, different players. So go back to episode 118 if you want to hear some uh, why I picked Wilson Contreras. But now I'm going over to William. And I've been known in past, and I think even on recordings, to flip those names because, man, that's close, William and Wilson. Come on, Contreras uh, parents, you, you guys have gotten me a little bit of a challenge there. Oh, come on. But- we got people who named all of their kids Victor. That's true. <laughs> Met several times too. Um, so they are the only brothers, W or not, the only Venezuelan I- brothers who have each won a World Series at this point because Wilson with the 2016 Cubs and William this past year with the Hammers. They're from Puerto Cabello, Venezuela. And the the only I was trying so hard to go back into childhood or family stories, and it was really hard to find anything. But all I could find was sort of like interviews with one about the other. And Wilson says that he thinks William will actually be better than he is, wow. that he did better in the minors, and that he manages his emotions better. And I think maybe last year, the year before, we talked about a kerfuffle that happened between uh, Wilson Contreras and Yadier Molina because Wilson had basically said that it inferred that Yadier was washed up, that he's going to be better than Yadier was, like inferring that he no longer is. And there was a little <laughs> bit of a dust up there. And uh-huh. so that managing emotions better, you know, maybe that'll that'll take him somewhere. He signed directly with Atlanta in 2015 and debuted in the infamous 2020 season, RBI double on the first pitch. So there we go for my uh, theme for the day. His first home run, however, was this past year against the Nationals, our buddy Fetty. First home run, May 21. He only played four games in the 2020 season, and it was because they're the main catcher of the Hammers, Travis Denard. I can never pronounce his last name. Darno. Darno. Thank you. Yeah, I'm not good with the non-Spanish uh, yeah, last names had some COVID symptoms, but it was a negative test. So it was only four days, four games. He played only 52 and 21, but got some at the end of the season and, and managed to, you know, that counts for a ring. Uh, Travis had a thumb injury last year, but more importantly for my baseball boyfriend qualifications, this past year was his first year with my Venezuelan team, the Cardinales de Lara. He had previously been playing with the Tigres de Aragua but had been traded this past year. So I'm very happy and enthusiastic about his future with the Cardinales. He was a 
big piece in their success this past year. They didn't quite make it, but there is a Venezuelan home run derby every year, and he has won the past two years. And his competitors, you know, just to drop a few names, Eduardo Escobar, also former baseball boyfriend of mine, Astrubal Cabrera, Ildemaro Vargas, also past baseball boyfriend, beat all of them. And the past winners of the Venezuelan Home Run Derby are, uh, you know, notable players such as his brother in 2016, uh, Carlos Gonzalez in 14 and 15. Uh, 13 was won by a guy named Faya Electrica, which means electrical failure, so they couldn't have it. 2012 (laughs) was Miguel Cabrera, who had also won it in 2005. So talk about a gap for that guy. And Panda won it in 2008. So I want to watch the Venezuelan Home Run Derby. I tried last year and I couldn't find anything that was broadcasting it. So sad. But his future... Like you, you, Darno is um, is pretty solid in there as their catcher, and they just signed a new catcher in the off season, Manny Pina. Ironically, from Barquisimeto, Venezuela, which is where the Cardinals de Lara play, and plus they have Jonathan Lucroy as. And I don't know if he's going to be catching at all, if he's just going to DH now that we get to DH. But uh, now that we have to but, DH, yeah. <laughs> so I I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen to poor Contreras. Maybe he's going to be another trade piece for, you know, teams that want catchers, need catchers. The cutest thing I saw, though, was the training during quarantine with his brother. And it said that they were armed with a Nerf, a red Nerf, uh, red Nerf gun. Armado con una pistola, pistola Nerf roja. Yeah. So they were taking batting practice using a Nerf gun as the pitching. So that's that's my guy. I'm hope, hopeful to see him play somewhere next year, but I, I'm not sure it's going to be the Hammers. We do love us some Contreras's. Yeah. Yeah. Contreras. Contreras. Yep. <laughs> so I just want to like reiterate, World Series winning Atlanta yeah. Hammers, and we're talking about them not at the end of our boyfriend profiles because, you know, we Interesting. start, you know, I, we, you know, we start at the bottom of the standings and go up and we are at the World Series championship you know, winners here, and we have a couple weeks to go. So this is, it was a fascinating season. And one of the reasons it was so fascinating for the Hammers is my boyfriend, Adam Duvall, 33 right fielder, probably DH'er, because we'll have to do that now. Um, mm. I attempted, if you, if you were with us last season, I was having a great time with all the Austins in the playoffs, <laughs> including Austin Riley on the, um, on the Hammers. And so my initial reaction was start with him. And I pulled up his Twitter account and his profile picture, his banner picture is him holding a big foam tomahawk. I'm like, nope, moving on. Oh, wow. Moving on. Um, but just, you know, Adam Duvall has a brother named Austin. So I think <laughs> I'm just going to go with nice. that as Austin adjacent. Yes. He's Austin adjacent. So he's a smart guy. He's a smart guy. When he was at the University of Louisville, he would tutor his baseball teammates in the locker room after practices, after he graduated, he would come back in the off season to help the team with homework. I love this. That's I love a this. patty pick for it. That's I a patty pick one. right there. Yeah. It gets better. It gets even better. So um, he's, you know, he's a veteran. He's 33, right? So he was drafted in the 11th round of the 2010 draft by the Giants. And in his debut, which was in 2014, he homered off of Mike Leake of the Reds. And that's important because in 2015, he was traded to the Reds for 
Mike Leak. Huh. Trades that make you go, huh? In 2016, he was an all-star for Cincinnati and competed in the home run derby, but did not win because he got knocked out by Todd Frazier. But anyway, uh, in 2018, he went from the Reds to Atlanta and had like the worst season of his life. He had a 132, not a single home run. It was horrible. Oh, wow. It was completely out of care. A guy who was in the home run derby, right? And, you know, in 2016, does nothing. His bat is dead in 2018. So in 2019, Atlanta sends him immediately down after spring training to AAA, right? He goes to Willamette, done, where he lights it up. He hits 32 home runs and mm. his OPS is 965 in AAA. So by the end of the season, like, uh, okay, okay, we'd like you back, back now because your bat has woken up. Well, we're going to talk about Marcelo Zuna some more. Sorry, huh. but here we go. Because in, in 2020, the shortened season, his home run numbers were second only to Ozuna for the Atlanta team. And he had two, three home run games. One was versus the Red Sox on September 2nd, and one was versus the Marlins on September 9th. And he was the first hammer to ever do that twice. And wow. he did it like, like within a week. So that was pretty cool. Ozuna, one more time, at the end of that 2020 season, the team had to cut salary. So they had to choose between the two, two outfielders with the big bats, right? They can't afford both Ozuna and Duvall, and they chose Ooh, Ozuna. Bad right? choice. So Duvall yeah. ended up being non-tendered and eventually got picked up by Miami, um, mm. where his OPS versus specifically Atlanta was 1.237. So he was like kicking ass against the team that cut Good. him. Right. Good. And, you know, and, and Snicker even said, if we had called him back sooner, we would have had a better record. But um, he is really pretty Zen now. It didn't used to be. He's pretty Zen now. He's like, okay, you just got to be where your feet are. Yeah. I was pissed to be in AAA at, you know, in 2019 after I was an all star and whatever. But I did what I had to do and I'm back. Mm. And, you know, so like he's got a really good head on his shoulders. At, which is good because here's the parallel story. Um, in 2012, when he was 23 years old, he was diagnosed with type one diabetes. Was he was in the, in the minor leagues? He said he'd be playing, and by the sixth inning, he would be dizzy and hungry and fatigued, and you know, spinny head, the whole thing. Got diagnosed with type one diabetes. Wow. So um, he now says that's just the hand I was dealt. He said at the time he was not nearly so, you know. So, okay, so Zen about it. So, okay about it. Like, okay, I, 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 this is just what I've got to deal with it. I'll make it happen. He was fre freaked out about it, of course. But he did have some, he had support from the trainers and nutritionists and all of that. So they helped him deal with it. He plays with an insulin pump in his back pocket. Wow. Right? Yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah, I remember we used to see pictures of guys with like, you know, their, their drugs in their back pocket. <laughs> He's got an insulin pump in his back pocket. Um, he really wants to be an example for kids living with this disease. Um, and so in addition for things like showing up for fundraisers um, for, um, for diabetes foundations and um, research organizations and all of that, he's also doing it on a very personal level. He said he was out in left field during one game and saw a kid in the stands holding up a great big sign that said, I'm type one diabetes just like you. Oh. So he threw the kid a ball, talked to him for a minute, yeah. like, you know, during, between innings and said, come down to the dugout after the game. The kid comes down. He, of course, gives him a signed bat because that's what you do. But he also had a conversation with him about how do you live with diabetes? 
Like how are, how are you dealing with the fatigue? How do you deal with carrying this insulin pump around you? How, it's like, so it was a really wow. practical conversation. So this kid, this baseball fan kid has this opportunity to look at this guy who's an, who's an idol. Like he was a huge star for the hammers in, in, in the postseason, and look at him and it's like, I, I have the same thing he does and he's helping me and, and I'm learning mm -hmm. from him and I can do this too, because look what he was able to do. So that's, I love, I love that stuff so much. In addition to the work he does with um, diabetes while dealing with it himself, um, back when he was with the Reds, he was honored by the Taylor Wooten Foundation. Uh, Taylor Wooten died because of a PED overdose. Um, the foundation advocates uh, to young people against the use of PEDs. So he has been very vocal about that too. So one of, one of the promotions was, it's just me. Like any, any, like any good stuff you see, you know, that's me and my hard work. That's not this extra stuff. So that's you know, kind of cool too. On top of all of this, He's enormously attractive. He's a very good looking man. I mean, just empirically, just, I mean, like you check things off. He goes, yeah, he's got all that going on. He's very nice. Um, as is his wife, Michelle, they have a new baby. They have cute dogs. Again, their social media is lovely to look at because it's all, um, you know, family and dogs and baseball. And who doesn't like that stuff? That's my guy. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Next week, Yankees and St. Louis. Yankees. It's always like you my, can do oh, this. How I can I, I know you. I've managed in the past, but man, many times you can totally do yep. this. Here we go. Yankees in St. Louis. That's whew. all right. I'm gearing up. But just as side note, talking about uh, the Cardinales de Lara, my Venezuelan team that I previously mentioned with uh, with Contreras. Another guy is going to be on there who we know and love. Patty's pick from last year from the Cleveland team. Uh, Andres Jimenez, shortstop. So he Yay. was just traded. In the, it's the offseason now for the Winter League. So he was just traded in their offseason to the Cardinales de Lara. I think he was coming from the Leones de Caracas. And he is super utility, flexibility. He, they don't know where he's going to play. Could be second, could be third, could be shortstop. But it's special for him and his family because he is from Barquisimeto, which is where the Cardinales play. So oh, yay excellent. for baseball boyfriend. Excellent. Uh, so we're going to... We're going to end with our CBA negotiations update because things actually happened um, for a change Oof. yesterday. So Saturday, we're recording on Sunday. So on Saturday, uh, MLB, the league, submitted a 130-page proposal to the union. And it was comprehensive. It wasn't just, here's our proposal for this. Here's a proposal. This is our, this is like their whole thing. Here's mm. our, our whole proposal for the whole CBA. Um, they still haven't announced a spring training delay. In fact, as of even Thursday of this past week, Manfred was saying, no, nope, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. We're going to start on time. And I, wow. dude, dude, but he does say camps could start within a few days of an agreement. Still need the agreement to happen. And I guess he was yeah. way more confident about this proposal that got submitted Saturday than, um, than the response that it got from the players, which was underwhelming for sure. Uh, the league, had a little bit of movement in favor of the union. If you read the description on the MLB site, it's like they rolled over and played dead for the union, which is not at all the case. So, you know, <laughs> consider your sources when you read wow. updates about these things, right? So here's some things that happened. They, um, they did raise the competitive balance tax threshold. Now that's important because that allows the, the teams to pay higher salaries before they are, before they're punished, before there are, you know, there are penalties, before they're, pen they're, they're penalized for doing so. That allows for higher salaries to happen. 
the union wanted a much higher threshold, but it did move in the right direction. And it also reduces penalties. You know, they, like you would have draft picks taken away from you at a certain level if you gone went so far over this, if you, if you spent too much money. And the players were like, no, no, we, we would like you to spend money. Let's please stop punishing teams <laughs> for spending money on players, right? Because, you know, mm-hmm. if you can spend more money on players, that increases the size of the pie. Remember, the players want the pie to be bigger. MLB is just looking at different ways to cut up an existing pie. So, right, but the, the, the players want bigger pie. Um, another place where they moved is the pre-arbitration players, the, the guys on your team, the new guys in their first, second, or third year, right? They're the ones who get the minimum salary. So there have been discussions about how do we pay these younger guys who we're leaning on the most more, for their contributions. And one way is to up their minimum salary. So the this proposal by the league gives a choice. You can have everybody have a soft minimum of $630,000, but you retain an option to negotiate to raise that up. Or here's the minimum for the first year, minimum second year, minimum third year. They increased the league proposed an increase to $725,000 for people in their third year. Um, but no negotiation, right? Hmm. So that's it's either or. Um, for perspective, the the players wanted everybody to get seven hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. So that's still fifty thousand dollars more than the highest level proposed by the league. So again, moving in the right direction. Also, the other way that um, it's probably going to happen at some level to reward younger players for their contributions is that bonus pool that can be divided up. Like if you get rookie of the year, you get this extra, you know, you get this raise, you get this extra money. If you are in contention for um, Cy Young or MVP, you get this much. If you are in the top three of whatever, you get this much. So again, the union wants $100,000 in this pool. The league said, well, we're going to up our $10 million proposal to $15 million proposal. That's not close. <laughs> it's not close, but they did up it, you know, by yeah. by half, you know, of what they had. So movement in the right direction, nowhere near where anyone's going to take it seriously. Okay. Yeah. They also have said we're going to um, we're going to find a way to reward teams for calling up quality players. In, the, the guys who are getting service time manipulation, like we want to mm-hmm. keep you for an extra year, so we're not going to call you up till May, so we can right. keep you. So they're going to say, you know what, you know, you, you have this guy that you think is going to be awesome. If you call him up sooner and then he is highly successful, he's rookie of the year, he places in the top whatever of war or whatever, we're going to reward you with a draft pick, right? So they're trying to find ways to encourage Hmm. teams to pull guys up sooner instead of messing with them because, you know, they're just messing with a lot of them just to keep them under team control for longer, right? This proposal also limits the number of times players can be optioned back to the minors in a season to five times back and forth. So they talked about um, rotate, uh, like roster churn. If guys are going up and down, up and down, like they can't gel. So they, you know, the players want a limit of four. The the league is proposing a limit of five. There was no limit before. And then universal DH is probably going to happen. But hilariously, if you read the description of universal DH and the things written by MLB, it looks like a jobs program. This is going to create 15 more well-paying jobs. Like, oh, screw it. So Manfred said, we have agreed to a universal DH. There is no agreement on anything yet. Everything is still a proposal. It is probably going to happen. I'm resigning myself to just being, you know, base level angry all the time about this, Mm -hmm. but, you know, but that it is going to happen, but it hasn't actually happened yet. It's just in the proposal, but never fear, dear listeners, Rob Manfred says, we're doing everything we can to get a deal done for our fans. 
Yeah, the, the universal DH thing is definitely getting a lot of talk out there. And I've got to say, as somebody who's very pro DH for my American League, I'm not happy about it. I, I like the difference. I really do. I And I like the like the fun little bit of interleague play with what happens when you throw the two sides together. So I'm not totally excited about universal DH except for Albert Pujols, who, yes, I believe his job will be saved by having a universal DH. So there's a couple of guys, you know, Pujols, Nelson Cruz is going to do well. There's definitely the big boys who hit balls far, who will be very happy with the with the new system. But I don't I don't know. You know, and the the other thing about um, what's going on with while we're in negotiations and the sides can't talk to each other like you talked about before that has come down to the family level with the Bichette family. So your former boyfriend from Toronto, Beau Bichette, his father, famous uh, Dante Bichette, was working for the Toronto team and had to resign. Well, didn't have to, but chose to resign uh, as a hitting coach or special advisor, depending on where you look, um, so that he can talk to his son about working out, you know, and that so that he can help and support his son. And both in the interview, the father-son relationship comes first, which is so Dante did the right thing. But, oh, my God, can you imagine, like, you can't talk to your son about his training because you work for the team? And he was like, wow. Nope, not wow. going there. That's that's a whole thing. That's yeah. a whole thing. So I yeah, I'm not confident. Again, this is uh, getting solved anytime soon. But don't worry, Rob Manfred is on your side, fans. He is there for you. When are pitchers and catchers is what I was. Isn't that supposed to be like this soon, week? Soon, really? it's supposed to be this Holy week. Holy shit! So that's so, not happening. That's not happening. Yeah, I think it's the 16th. I think it's supposed to be Wednesday at the latest, but yeah, nothing. Yeah, don't don't count on it. Do not right. count on it, my friends. So much for our famous countdown that I haven't been doing, but because why? Yeah. Because why? Because we don't know what we're kind of why. counting down to. So yes, we're counting up for, oh, actually this, this, um, we are now at the second longest work stoppage in, um, in major league history now, like when, when we crossed like 78 or 80, yeah. So oh boy. surprising no one. I mean, I don't know what the league thought was going to happen if they didn't think this was going to happen because sure. Sure, my friends. On the bright Crap. side, we have Olympics to distract ourselves. I'm going to be watching hockey this week every chance I get first thing in the morning and last thing at night. So allowing me to work in the middle of the day like, you know, a, a good worker bee is supposed to do. What do you got mm -hmm. going on this week? Uh, this week I am managing testing. That just totally sucks. I've got a lot of work stuff. Um but I'm going to try to squeeze in some hockey at least tomorrow morning, you know, while I can. Well, you have to next. You got to let me know what's going on because I will be yeah. commuting and then at my job. And I think it's not a good look to have a hockey game on, even if you have like two big monitors at your desk, which I do, which is great. <laughs> I don't think I can have one of them devoted to women's hockey much as I would like to. Yeah. If there's anybody behind you, you definitely can't. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Hey, so we've got this Patreon thing where our um our our listeners, you guys can help us because it costs a little bit of money to put a podcast on. Not a lot of money, but some money. We want to keep doing it and we would very much like your help. Potty mouth, what can people do to help us? 
So you can go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash no crying and b-ball and you will find us. And actually what I would like to ask you, dear listeners, is like what kind of stuff would entice you to say put a buck a month because that's our lowest, you know, a dollar a month toward no crying and baseball. What kind of fun stuff could we put on Patreon that would make that worth your while? I'm thinking, I don't know, maybe we could somehow video little clips of our eps or like outtakes or something like that. But we need some swag to get you all interested in joining our Patreon. So we're very open to feedback. Let us let us know. And the way to let us know is to find us on social media. Many, many ways, so many ways to find us on social media about Patreon, about talking about baseball, and about do you want to be on our fantasy league if we're ever able to start it, if there's ever going to be a season. How can people do that, Potty Mouth? <laughs> yeah, gear up for that fantasy league. Talk to us on Twitter. At Twitter, we're at um, NCIB Podcast. Facebook and Instagram, we're at No Crying in B Ball. Excellent. Um, watch some hockey, my friends. Keep an eye on um, on the CBA negotiations so you may know sooner than we do when spring training is actually going to start. Get your booster shot. If you haven't gotten your booster shot, for gosh sakes, and fight the man, it's the right thing to do. Until next week, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. So if you got to get a crappy light beer, get a local crappy light beer, damn it. Totally.